0: Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. The freedoms that Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood sweat, and tears of many generations of our
1: nation's military.
0: The military hour is dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our Constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself. General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, And now, it's the Military Hour with your host, Donna Lyons.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Military Hour. I'm your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., right here on the Lions Radio Network, where we are worldwide now. We are heard in many countries around the globe, so thank you to all our listeners. Today, I have an incredible guest, uh, Lou Sapienza, and he is the co-founder of the Fallen American Veterans Foundation. His guiding principle is to honor the promise of leave no man behind. He formed and leads a remarkable coalition of world-renowned explorers, scientists, engineers, and specialists global experts on private and governmental missions to recover American servicemen missing in action from World War II. And I'm going to go ahead and bring them on. Welcome, Lou.
0: Good afternoon. Thank you very much, Donna. It's a real pleasure to be here today.
1: Um, You know, I wanted to tell people what your mission is, that you're getting ready to do and that you're, you're getting funding for this right now and you're really hoping that this happens. but. A little bit of background. In 1942, three men get stranded on the ice in Greenland after a mission rescue, and they and their Grumman duck get lost in the snow. And then decades later, you, Lou, discover evidence of the plane, and, and you create the Fallen American Veterans Foundation, which is dedicated to recovering them and other U.S. military missing in actions from around the world. Um, on a previous mission, they were unable to locate the plane, but the latest development is that you have now discovered new evidence that pinpoints where the location of the plane is. So tell us a little bit about what this mission is going to be.
0: Um what we do is a lot of investigation and search. I've spent the last nine years since the Department of Defense contacted me looking at information, digging up information, having personal interviews with World War II pilots who had flown over the area, etc. There's still a few alive. So we pull all that together and formulate a mission plan based upon that information looking at um, the evidence and where that plane could possibly be and just within the past year new startling evidence has uh, come to light and we're really able to focus in on one very particular area Um, the plane is under the ice and we have to use a lot of what they call remote sensing technologies for it which is ice penetrating radar Ice-penetrating radar is developed to the point where we can mount it to a UAV and overfly the area. And then we also use a high-sensitivity vapor magnetometer on a drone as well, running grid lines over the site. So once we locate it, we put um, a camera down. We melt an 8-inch wide hole down to the anomaly and confirm what it is and how deep it is. And once we are able to confirm that, then we actually melt a four-foot-wide hole down to go down to the aircraft and see if we can extricate the remains of these three service personnel um, at depth or if we have to bring the fuselage to the surface to be able to do that.
1: So and what then they are
0: returned home.
1: Right. And what's the evidence you guys have found recently?
0: Um, we've got um, eyewitness Accounts, I spoke to the son of the pilot who overflew the area, um, Colonel Bernd Balken, during World War II. A Norwegian was recruited by the U.S. Army Air Force to um, form Thule Air Force Base, which is a big base up in northwest Greenland. And he um, left a lot of records, some of them vague, but enough for us to be able to tell exactly where to look. Um, We've also found a second sighting of the aircraft on the surface, uh, the first being in 1942, the second being in 1964, and when we combine that with other evidence um, such as working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, we know the direction of the ice flow, which is very unique for that area. And all of this information coincides and leads us to one particular area. We should be able to walk right over it, um, something we haven't been able to do in the past.
1: Now, you've been there before, so what makes you think this time will be so successful? What's going to make it different? Um,
0: What we need really is the autonomy to perform the mission the way – at least according to our protocols. We haven't really been allowed to do that in the past. So now we feel that we will be able to execute the mission that way. We would like to find private funding so that we don't have interference from any other outside factors in trying to tell us where to go, where to look, and what time of year to go, and which technology to use. So there's been some frustration in the past, but um, we have a request in with the Department of Defense, the Defense BOW-MIA Accounting Command, to meet with Colonel Brian Pearl, who's director of the Euromed area, um, to sit down and speak with him and try to get this mission put back on their active list. It is definitely on our active list And we have more than enough information for a successful mission.
1: Now, when you say private funding, can the public help in some way with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, On our website, which is www.favf.us, which is short for Fallen American Veterans Foundation, um, there is a place to donate there. We're also looking for corporate sponsors um, we're looking to go out and uh, make grant requests Northrop of Grunman. The Grunman Duck is what we're looking for. We're reaching out to all possible venues to be able to do this. Awesome. So that's, well, I hope that's really the prim- primary it. way.
1: Yeah, and I hope everybody checks out the website. It's really important. And. You know, when I was reading the book, I I was reading about one of the men's sister that was alive, and I don't know, is she still alive, Pritchard? Um, Pritchard? Nancy
0: Pritchard Morgan is still alive at last count. I haven't spoken with them recently, but she just had her 95th birthday back in June or July, and we've been in close contact with her. It's actually her wish that her brother, Lieutenant John Pritchard, he buried at the US Coast Guard Academy. He was a graduate in nineteen thirty eight and he would be the only person um yet interred at the Coast Guard Academy. But that is her overriding wish once we find him.
1: Wow. And what about other families? Are other families members of the men waiting? Tell us about these families.
0: Yeah, well this is not the only mission that we have on our books. We have about eight different missions. Um and all the family members, just as a general comment, all the family members are very much in support of bringing them home. The Defense Department has um, three meetings throughout the year, um, their family meetings, and they are very, very well attended. And family members, if a parent dies, if a sibling dies, the cause is usually taken up by the next generation. So when I've attended some of these meetings, we've got um, nieces and nephews who still have the same passion for the return of their loved ones um, to go along with that. In this particular mission, um, Benjamin Bottoms' son is alive and looking forward to that and then in the case of US Army Air Force Corporal Lauren Howorth um he has uh, a nephew and more family involved that would also like to see them home
1: I can I just can't imagine what that's going to be like when you do bring them home I just I wish you the best of luck with that and tell me where where else has uh FAVF been around the world what other places
0: well, this is one we've been up to Greenland three times. Um, before FAVF was formed I was part of the search for the lost squadron, which was a World War Two P thirty eight lightning. There were actually six P thirty eights and two B seventeen bombs that force landed in Greenland, about thirty miles from where we're working now. And as part of that team, that team was really successful in locating all eight aircraft and developed the methodology to locate the planes and then the technology to melt 268 feet down inside the ice sheet to open up a cavern around one of those planes, disassemble it, and bring it back. So that's really what gives us our credibility. It's being able to locate um, the aircraft um, and bring them back. Um, We've also gone and facilitated an agreement between the U.S. Coast Guard and the Historic Flight Foundation out in Mukilteo, Washington, to take the fuselage once it's brought back and to do a Rolls-Royce restoration to flying condition of the plane as a flying memorial to this particular crew and to all of um, Coast Guardsmen. And then that plane will be donated to a Coast Guard museum which has yet to be established.
1: So wow, that's these awesome. are the Yeah. That's very awesome. Now where where have you been around the world? Tell us some of the places you've been.
0: Um I usually go I've spent I've done three expeditions to Greenland with the Department of Defense and the Coast Guard. We've done three other expeditions in Greenland on the Lost Squadron. Um, Also, we did a Trans Borneo expedition. But what we're trying to do, we've got expeditions now, recoveries to perform all over the world. We've got off the coast of Vietnam, we've got excellent, excellent um, coordinates for two planes with crewmen on board in the Gulf of Tonkin. We have um, five undocumented graves of U.S. Army infantrymen in Vietnam that we would like to locate. Um, That would be meeting with a VC colonel over there who's given us information so far that we have one um, African-American and four white soldiers, and he can point that out to us. So we've also got a plane off the coast of Alaska with excellent coordinates. We actually have sound readings on that. That looks like it's a Korean transport plane that was um, transporting 21 men over to Korea during that conflict. Um, We have another mission in Greenland that's got five men on board. That was part of this whole three series of crashes. They call it Greenland's Bermuda Triangle. That all within this 35 mile area. We've got over uh, 12 aircraft down. Uh, So it's working all over the world um, to be able to bring these men home. We have 83,000 men from World War II forward missing in action. And of those 83,000, the Department of Defense says approximately 33,000 of those can be recovered. The US Congress has mandated um the recovery of all of our MIAs under US Code Title ten. And they've also now back in twenty ten they established that there are going to there are minimum quotas as to how many men need to be repatriated each year, which in twenty fifteen was two hundred a year and by twenty twenty will be boosted to two hundred and fifty a year. So we've got 73,000 missing from World War II, um, about 7,600 from Korea still, about 1,600 from Vietnam, and the rest are either Cold War or current conflict losses.
1: Uh, When you hear the numbers, it's really sad, isn't it? It's just heart-wrenching, and you feel for the family, so I just – I commend you for what you're doing. It's just—it's absolutely amazing. But I also wanted to mention too that you're—you are mentioned in a book, "Frozen in Time," which was written by Mitchell Zuckoff. Can you tell us a little bit about the book?
0: Um, Mitch does a great job. Mitch was a um, an investigative reporter for the Boston Globe, who is now a professor of journalism at Boston University, and he contacted me very much interested in this whole story and he goes into the three crashes that precipitated the recovery that we're working on now but he goes further than that and goes into the whole history of Greenland, the history of Greenland during World War II, its significance. In fact the first battles of World War II were unofficially fought in Greenland over weather stations. The weather stations were able to determine the weather coming into Europe, so it was vital that the Germans or the Americans or the Allies had that information so that they could plan their strategic battles. And Greenland, again, was also very instrumental in the war cause. During Operation Bolero, which was kind of a an impromptu way to get aircraft over to the European and North African war theaters, the um, Instead of transporting a lot of aircraft on ships, which were being sunk by U-boats, they came up with a plan to fly all these planes into um, Presque Isle, Maine, onto um, Newfoundland, into Greenland, over to Reykjavik, Iceland, and into Preswick, Scotland, on down into Europe. So over 10,000 aircraft went that route. And we we lost some to attrition, but nowhere near what they thought they would and most of these accidents were weather related not being able to communicate with Reykjavik um, that type of thing they would go into a fog and they would fly onto the ice sheet it wasn't really a crash but they would fly onto the sloping ice sheet lost in a cloud essentially
1: wow well I the book is fantastic and I hope people go and read it and I wish you all the uh, with raising funds for this, and I hope everybody checks out Fallen American Veterans Foundation because it's really important that we bring these guys home to their families. And Lou, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Donna. Thanks again. All
1: right, Lou. You have a great rest of your day. Bye bye.
0: Roger that. Bye.
1: Everyone, thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a wonderful weekend.